Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. All right, welcome to the show. Just a quick note right off the bat here. This will be our final podcast episode of the spring. We'll be taking a step back here as we enter the early summer months and the NFL offseason finally calms down a little bit. But I did want to say, and Dan, I think you'll echo this, that I've thoroughly enjoyed doing the show with you. And to all the Giants fans out there who have helped make the last year a success, we appreciate you. Yeah, 100%. It's always a blast. I look forward to it every week. You know, the podcast has obviously grown pretty considerably. And matter of fact, I was getting some compliments uh, for our uh, for our podcast just yesterday. So it's nice that people are listening to it and uh, I'm enjoying it and kind of having fun with it. You know, we don't take it overly seriously. I think that tone comes across. So, you know, it's, it's kind of stinks that we're going to be taking a little bit of a break here, but that's the nature of the NFL. But we'll be back before you know it. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a blast, and, and I know hopefully people aren't aren't too upset with us for our show last week. Dan, we did take a few victory laps, right? <laughs> We're going to get right back to business here this week and talk about some big picture stuff, and I wanted to start with what I think is the number one story of this Giants offseason to date when I took a step back and really just thought about, okay, what is the story? What, like, what should we talk about when it comes to this first wave of the offseason from the spring, from the free agency to the draft? And I think it all centers on the quarterback. It's Daniel Jones. The team has talked him up, Dan, from the players to Joe Judge. Remember when he Judge dropped the L-bomb? And then yep. Gettleman laughing off any questions about the quarterback, about drafting a quarterback. Then the team backs up all that talk, right, by going out and getting a surefire number one receiver in Kenny Galladay, by adding all these pass catchers like Kyle Rudolph, John Ross, the running back, Devontae Booker. You draft Kadarius Toney out of Florida in the first round. And, oh, by the way, you trade away the pick that ends up being Justin Fields. So I don't know how you could go – all in more than the Giants have on Daniel Jones. And I just think that's the top storyline is the team building around Jones in a way I think most quarterbacks in the league would be jealous. And they're operating as if he is the next Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield, right? He's going to make that jump. Like he's the next quarterback with untapped potential who might maybe look dicey early, but all of a sudden steps on the field and has Patrick Mahomes footwork and starts throwing bullets all over the field. I think that's what the Giants are seeing. That's what they're expecting. It doesn't exactly jive with the public perception of it, but that's what the Giants are seeing. That's how they're operating, and I find that super fascinating. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Giants, from day one, they've told you. They've told everybody who was willing to listen what they were going to do, how committed to Jones they were, and that went up and down the organization. That wasn't just Dave Gellman, you know, selling his pick. Uh, that was Joe Judge. That was John Mara. That was Steve Tisch. That was Jones's teammates. That was his offensive coordinator. Hell, that was his defensive coordinator. Everybody in that organization has always known Jones was the guy, and they've been brutally honest about it. They've meant what they've said. They said what they meant, 
And here we are in somehow, some ways, you know, there are some out there in the public that still don't necessarily buy into the fact that the Giants are as committed to Jones as they were. But at this point, forget what they've said. Look at what they've done. If that isn't enough to prove how committed to Jones they are, well, let's just be honest. We're not going to convince those people otherwise. But, you know, it's, it's very clear from the outside looking in and even from the inside looking at it. Uh, you know, they, they sold out on Jones. They've, they've gone all out on Jones. They're going to give him every single opportunity that any quarterback could imagine. And listen, there are, there are quarterbacks all around the league. Sam Darnold is a perfect example when he was with the Jets that wish they would have had the kind of offseason and roster building. <laughs> right, and the roster building that, that the Giants have given Jones. Now, the pressure is certainly on Jones, and I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, you know, the time is now. You're in year three. You've got all these – players all this talent around you there are no more excuses the team is is sold on you and they're they're banking on you all those eggs are in that basket so now it's up to jones to go out there and prove to the world that the giants had it right when everyone else had it wrong now i was looking around just to see what's the public saying about jones what are they saying about the giants quarterback room and i know there's a story on usa today that you want to get to and i'm going to i'm going to let you explain that one and get into that one because i know you're a little fired up on that one dan Uh, but i saw one on nfl.com where it was a couple different writers, they did they all scored the quarterbacks, and it was a composite, and they had Jones number twenty four in the league from uh, twenty twenty. Here's what they say: They say one of the most infuriating players in the entire league, Daniel Jones, has proven in his short career that he can make every throw in almost any run, and yet he turns the ball over like he's going toe to toe with Jameis Winston. So, uh, <laughs> so, and this is the thing, right? I mean. You see that he completes 62.5% of his passes. I think that number could have been better if Evan Ingram would have held on to a few more balls. Right. That could have gone up yeah. to like 65. Right. Yeah, if the uh, Giants weren't near the top of the league and dropped passes, that would have looked a little bit better. But here's, what the, here's where the public just sticks, right? 11 passing touchdowns, 10 picks, 6 fumbles right. in 14 games. So the public will never get over that. So until Jones improves those stats, uh, they're never going to – put them higher on this on these rankings but there was a a usa today story or ranking or list of quarterbacks in the league that took it to an extreme dan go ahead yeah i was surprised to see it mike jones of usa today a friend of giants wire and usa today uh wire networks obviously uh, broke down the 32 teams based on tiers and he put jones and the giants in the shaky tier but not only that he put them down at number 31 overall ahead of just the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, who were only there, uh, obviously because of his off-field issues that he's dealing with right now, uh, which you know essentially means that they've got Jones at the very bottom of the entire league over rookie quarterbacks, over you know under rookie quarterbacks, under Ryan Fitzpatrick, under Teddy Bridgewater, and the, the situation in New England and Detroit and Jared Goff, yeah, and yeah. even even in Chicago, if Fields doesn't immediately start, but again, that's a rookie if he does, and Goff, like you said, I, I just I find it odd. I find it odd. I mean, it's not that Daniel Jones is you know without criticism. He's not without blame. He's not without issue. But to believe that he's dead last in the NFL, we're just if you're being objective. You're not you're just not being honest at that point. We've talked about on this pod, Dan, that Jones and Gettleman should probably be on the hot seat. But the Giants aren't really operating like Jones is on the hot seat. They're building around him. And you posted an interesting story on Giants Wire where Gettleman's not really operating like he's on the hot seat either, is he? I mean, he's not. It's not like he's operating like Ryan Pace did in Chicago. We knew Ryan Pace had to make a monster move in free agency or the draft to save his job, and, and he did. And he went out and got Justin Fields, and the Giants helped him do that. Uh, Gettleman's doing the opposite, right? Going against his usual strategy, trading back in the draft, stockpiling 
draft capital for future seasons. So Gettleman's operating like he's going to be here for a while. And the Giants are building the team as if Jones will be here for a while. So it all goes against the public opinion, right? The Giants are just seeing something that we're not. Yeah, it certainly does seem that way. And listen, to Gettleman's credit, if he deserves to be on the hot seat. Let's let's not you know beat around the bush and pretend that's not the case. Whether you like him, whether you don't like him, whether you agree with his moves or you don't agree with his moves, the bottom line is he's on the hot seat because wins and losses are what matter in the NFL. So going into the season, his rear end is on the line, and that's just all there is to it. But to his credit, he is still operating, building, and functioning like a man who's going to be in charge for the long-term future. And even if he's not, he's positioning the Giants to be in a great in a great spot moving forward. And again, whether you love the guy or hate the guy, you've got to respect him for that because he's doing everything he can to better the organization now, to better the organization in the future. And it really doesn't matter if he's there or not. And that's a testament to who Dave Gettleman actually is. That's the man that people don't really see. That's not the public perception that exists surrounding Gettleman. Uh, but he really is team first guy who believes in what he's doing. And quite frankly, over the last two years in both drafts and in both free agencies, I think he's done a really tremendous job. He had that horrible year in 2018 that really set the team back. And obviously the wins and losses are, are testament to that. But I think he's done a good job, and I'm really impressed with the fact that he's continuing to build towards the future, even though his is so uncertain. Now, it's definitely gotten better over the past couple of years. There's no doubt about it. It's trending in the right direction for Gettleman and the Giants. And uh, so that's our little reflection on the offseason as a whole. What about for the draft? There was something that happened in the draft that I think at the end of the day was the most fascinating thing to happen, and the Giants were right in the middle of it. We'll get to that coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... uh human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Dan, when I looked back at the draft... The most interesting, fascinating moment was this thing between the NFC East. We talked about it last week, how there was a slimy trade between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, And as the days have gone on post-draft, we've kind of learned that the Giants were definitely not only targeting Smith with the 11th pick, but that's who they hoped to get, right? I mean, uh, Devontae Smith went on the Chris Long podcast and literally said, quote, you have to get to 11. I knew if I was there at 11, I was for sure going to the Giants. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you, I don't know what will. But also the actions of Dallas and Philadelphia, I think, kind of confirm it as well. Because is Dallas really picking up the phone from Philly, of all teams? Philly. Are they picking up the phone from Philly if they don't believe Smith is going to end up in the NFC East anyway? Right? Like, you have to believe that conversation when something like, from the Eagles standpoint, being like, look, the Giants are taking this guy. So you might as well take you know, our third-round pick because you're going to face him twice a, week, a year anyway. So you're not blocking him from coming in the division. So take our third-round pick, and we'll take Devontae Smith. Uh, I thought that was a really fascinating thing that happened. And there was reports out there that the Giants were not happy that the Eagles and Cowboys yeah. kind of were in cahoots and did this to them and, and took their guy, Dan. So what do you think about all that? Well, I'll tell you what. It's funny that, that Joe Judge grew up in a household full of Eagles fans because <laughs> he is most certainly not an Eagles fan at this point in his life. And Love it. those Good games point. this season, oh, my goodness, they are going to be intense. I cannot wait for him personally. But what you said is correct. When you look at it like that, 
throw everything else out the window, throw all the reports about the Giants and Smith, throw Smith's comments out the window. If the Eagles didn't think the Giants, if they didn't know the Giants were going to take Devonta Smith, there's no way they're going to send another pick to an interdivisional rival to leapfrog the Giants and take a guy who could have been there two picks later anyway. So clearly the Eagles believe the Giants were going to take Smith. Secondly, maybe even more interesting is the fact that Dallas essentially had a choice as to where Devonta Smith ended up, and they chose the Eagles. And to me, that screams that they're actually a lot more afraid of the Giants going into this season <laughs> than they are afraid of the Eagles going into this season. That's a good take. And, and they kind of just, you know, they were forced to choose which one they have Smith go to, and they ultimately chose Philly. Um, so I don't think that that was a coincidence either. But all told, between the, you know, the reports about the Giants and Smith, that trade, Smith's comments, I think now we're at the point that you know, we know for certain that had Smith been there at number eleven, he would be a New York Giant. And and that's an interesting thing. So going off of that, do teams really fear the Giants more than the Cowboys and some of these other teams? Because I'm looking at my app, I'm looking at the uh, the sports book odds, and you had a, a article up on Giants Wire about BetMGM, some of the the odds they have out there. How much better do the Giants get this offseason? It feels like they improve their team, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. The odds out there, Dan, are. Uh, they're valuable if you believe the Giants will contend <laughs> in 2021. I mean, on Giants Wire, the odds were at plus 8,000 for the Giants to win the Super Bowl. That means you, that means you can win a lot of money if you put down 50 or 100 right, bucks, yeah. basically. Let's just put it that way. And uh, the odds are, are a little bit worse on my app. Uh, you're looking at on my app, they're plus 6,600. But the Giants are even with the Eagles well behind the Cowboys. And when you pull up the conference, uh, the division, Odds, the Cowboys are a big favorite, plus 135 on my app. Then goes Washington at plus 200, and then the Giants third at plus 400. So all this is to say that there's a perception out there that despite all the moves the Giants made from bringing back Leonard Williams, which I think is kind of an underrated move at this point. Boy, hasn't, hasn't that been Yeah, yeah, yeah. They brought back Leonard Williams, uh, and they greatly improved the receiving core, obviously. But the needle hasn't really moved out there. Like People don't believe the Giants got all that better, Dan. Why is that? I, I wish I had the answer to that question. I really do. Because their Super Bowl odds after the draft they actually got worse. What happened? And, uh, <laughs> right. And it's listen, no, I don't think many of us are like, oh, the Giants are going to go out and win the Super Bowl this year. But the way that Vegas and even the public perception has responded to a lot of this is, you know, interesting to say the very least. Because on paper, and granted, yes, the game is played on the field. But on paper, the Giants are a substantially better team than they were at the end of last season. Um, and not just on the top end. I think what's really getting lost in all of the, the mix is the fact that the Giants have really deepened their roster on the back end. And that was one of their biggest weaknesses last year and in recent years is that they were extremely thin at almost every single position. And now, for the most part, when you start breaking down each individual positional group, the Giants are much, much deeper than they've been and much more talented than they've been in recent years. They're younger than they've been in recent years. They're healthier than they've been in recent years. And they're a lot faster than they've been in recent years. And given how well that defense played a season ago and how close they were in all those games, and again, people forget the Giants were 4-2 and two in the division, and one of those losses came because Evan Ingram couldn't catch a single pass at the end of the game. There's our guy again. <laughs> so the Giants very easily could have finished last season five and one in the division, won the NFC East, especially if the Eagles didn't tank like jokes at the end. Terrible. You know, and you look at that and you're like, that team had no business being in that position. And fast forward to now, and they're they're just so much more explosive on both sides of the ball. And they 
shored up some of their their biggest weaknesses at wide receiver, edge rusher. They, they arguably have the best secondary on paper in the entire NFL and an up-and-coming star in Patrick Graham running their defense. And people kind of look at them and are like, eh, they're not that good. They're not going to be that good. And it's like, I don't understand how you, how you reach that conclusion. If you watch the Giants last year and how competitive they were and how hard they play for Judge – and add to that how deep they are now at almost every single position. I, I really don't understand how their odds are getting worse. Yeah, and I, and I asked the question, and I think I know why, and I think we all know why, right? It's when you look at specifically at the NFC East, it's Dak versus Danny Dimes, right? It's going to be oh, it's it always yeah. going to be that. And even coming off that nasty uh, ankle injury, Dak wins that comparison in the public eye ten times out of ten. And until Daniel Jones proves he's up there with you know the, right. those elite guys, nobody's going to be giving the Giants any odds. So if you believe in the Giants, then you should be jumping on these odds right now. They're very lucrative if you believe in the Giants. Well, especially the over under because their over under on the win total is set at seven. So you know, I, I kind of like Vegas, the over. I don't know why. Right, I kind of like it. Vegas is still looking at them like they're going to be you know have another losing season and. Like I said, I don't expect them to go out there and blow everybody out of the water. I still think they're a year or two away from being a real Super Bowl contender. But you know, seven wins, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. I mean, they had six wins with a much worse team. <laughs> True that. So I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over. On yeah, and the schedule comes out later this week. So maybe maybe this summer, Dan, we can get on here. We'll we'll come up with a path to the to the playoffs. We're good at that. Hey, kind of we thing, weren't right? that bad the last time. No, nah, we, we were that. pretty good with the path. <laughs> we almost had it. The Eagles just screwed us over at the end. Right. Um, let's leave it here. Going into the summer, Dan. Give me one training camp battle that you're really looking forward to. Uh, for me, like I'm just going to rattle off a few. I think wide receiver will be really fun. How does John Ross and Kadarius Toney mm-hmm. fit in with Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton? Right? There's going to be a lot of opportunity there that could be decided in camp. Is Tony an instant impact player like Gettleman said he wanted to Kim Jones and those pressers, or is he going right. to be more of a situational guy, like have a situational role? We'll see. Um, I'm interested to see how they use the two tight ends. I, I really want to see how that kind of shapes out. And then linebacker, you brought in Ojolari. You know he's going to line up outside. You got Lorenzo Carter. He's got a lot to prove. You you brought in Reggie Ragland. He's new to the group. You got Blake Martinez back for another year. So definitely some talent in that group, but not a ton of continuity, right? So I think linebacker will be another really interesting uh, position to watch. Right. I, I think it's going to be really fun because, like I mentioned just a few moments ago, the Giants are a lot deeper on the back end, and I think some of the most interesting training camp battles aren't necessarily going to be the superstars at the top, but it is going to be those guys, you know, battling it out for those last few positions because again, the Giants do have you know, deeper talent. And John Ross is a good example. Where is he going to fit in with that? Because it's not like he's going to be battling it out with Tony or Galladay or Shepard or even Slayton. But there are other guys on the team like David Sills, who works out with Daniel Jones pretty much every single day, who, you know, played a decent role last year. And there's obviously some connection between the two of them. So there are going to be, you know, those back end roster battles at things like, you know, wide receiver. And then you have the tight ends, as you mentioned, but there's also Caden Smith on the team, who is a very talented tight end. And where is he going to fit in? And you have some, you know, back end of the running backs that are, you know, they're going to battle things out and the linebackers, like you said, even in the secondary where they're suddenly very deep, you know, there's, there's some players at the slot position. How is that going to shake out? But really, I'm looking across the board at the offensive line because I think that's going to be the real big determining factor for the Giants. I have to believe that Andrew Thomas is going to stay in place at left tackle. But at right tackle, you're going to have an interesting battle with Nate Solder returning. And you obviously have some question marks at each of the guard positions. And you brought in Fulton 
you know, he's going to factor in as well in in those battles. Um, where does Shane Lemieux play? Does Will Hernandez come back in and get his starting job back? If he does, is it going to be on the left side or is it going to be on the right side? What happens at center? Is Nick Gates, you know, is he penciled in? We don't actually know at this point. He could be shifted back out to guard, you know, which adds to that potential battle. So there's a lot of moving pieces along the offensive line, and I think each of those individual battles – is going to play a major role. And for that reason, I think that's going to be the key battle in training camp to watch is how that offensive line is ultimately structured for the starting five and then how they fill out the depth behind those guys. So I, I think that's going to be the key, the key battle to watch in training camp throughout the offseason into the preseason. Um, that's going to play a major role in whether or not the Giants find any level of success this year. That's a great point. I could just You're just such a football guy, Dan, because you go to that offensive line, you're 100% right. That is definitely the battle to watch is the O-line. But, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, who's going to catch the passes? I, you know, <laughs> but you're like, no, man, hey, come on. It's the offensive line. You're, you're, you nailed it. That's 100% what it is. It's the O-line. It is, and it's going to be fun to watch, too. And uh, listen, I'll tell you right now, here, here's my crazy end of the spring take for the Giants, all right? Give it to me. I think that Nate Solder is going to come back and play substantially better than people think that he's going to play. I think he's going to earn a starting job. I think it's going to be on the right side. And I think he's actually going to play well enough that people forget how bad he was two years ago. And a part of the reason why, and I, and I, I feel the need to constantly repeat this because it's forgotten about, that season when Nate Solder joined the Giants, his son was in danger of passing away. He was in a serious, serious battle with cancer. Yep. And every day it was like you never knew how things were going to go. And I couldn't imagine – anyone on any level at any job anywhere in the world that would be able to go in and perform at the top level of their ability uh, with that constantly in the back of their head. So I think with his son healthy, with him healthy, having a year away from the game, he comes back healthy, comes back refreshed, mentally his head is clear. I think Solder is going to have a big, big impact for the Giants this year. I love it. So great stuff as always right there from Dan Benton. Thanks for joining us throughout last season, throughout the spring. We're on to the summer, Dan. I'm looking forward to coming back on here and, and actually talk about 2021, man. It's going to be a blast. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for some Eagles games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that is going to be must-see TV. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll be back in the summer. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.